Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are slowly, slowly limping through the off weeks here, but we're excited to dive into the many, many headlines since we last spoke, including the resurgence of the Crashgate scandal. And then we'll go through our relative rankings of drivers, teams, cars, think things like who's outperforming their car, who's underperforming given their current situation, all of that good stuff. And then we will dive into an AMA with the questions you guys all submitted. Um, This is a special extended cut episode for patrons, so if you want to listen to the whole episode, including the full AMA, come join us on Patreon, which you can find a link to in the episode description. But without further ado, let's get into it. I'm Tiggy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chessa. Okay, first up on the news, actually, Sarah, I'm going to let you take this one because I think this one gets you all excited. <laughs> I love this. It's just one of my favorite F1 scandals ever. So this is, of course, Crashgate and the Felipe Massa lawsuit and controversy, which has re-arisen this week with Felipe Massa, former Ferrari driver, driver, threatening legal action. But basically how we got here, we'll give you a little bit of a background. We've talked about it before in our Singapore preview, and at some point, maybe we'll do a deep dive. But The quick version is that it was a huge scandal that happened in Singapore in 2008 involving some familiar big names, Alonzo, Hamilton, Felipe Massa, and PK Jr. Ultimately, it helped Hamilton win his first ever driver's championship with McLaren at the expense of Massa, who was driving for, of course, Ferrari. Lewis ended up winning the championship by one point, so it was a crazy season. And what, <laughs> yep, sounds familiar. And what on earth does Alonzo have to do with this? Alonzo was driving for Renault at the time alongside Nelson Piquet Jr. If that name sounds familiar, it's because Piquet Jr. is the brother of Kelly Piquet, who is Max Verstappen's partner, and also the son of Piquet Sr., a controversial former world champion who was recently fined in Brazil for his racist statements about Lewis Hamilton. So during the 2008 Singapore race, Piquet had a huge solo wreck into the wall. Think K-Mag, Australia-style, total unforced error, just complete wreck. This caused a full safety car that was perfectly timed to deliver Alonso the victory, his first of the season after a pretty disappointing year. Meanwhile, Massa had had an amazing pole. He was six tenths ahead of Hamilton. He was winning when the safety car came out. Then in a turn of events that feels familiar... 15 years later, Ferrari massively bungled his pit stop under the safety car. (laughs) He ended up finishing in P13, and this is back when cars could be refueled. So a fuel hose was left in the car while he pulled away. A mechanic got knocked down. There was fuel spraying all over the pit lane. Mechanics had to run all the way down the pit lane to pull the hose off the car. Just a total disaster. (laughs) We'll post a video of this. Why am I getting like Zoolander vibes? From that scene. <laughs> exactly. There's a photo of all the mechanics walking back down the pit lane with the hose over all of their arms. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh. ladies, guess who the Ferrari team principal was at the time? I think I know who this is, actually. I've done enough reading, but uh, Chess, I'll let you guess first. <laughs> no, I don't want to guess. Tiggy, you go. It was definitely Dominicali. which is absolutely iconic I thought at first that when I was reading all this that maybe it was Gene Tott who we had posted about because of Michelle oh yeah the Oscars but it was definitely Dominicali wasn't it (laughs) so funny and he had a quote at the time in Crash Magazine aptly named and his quote was 
It's not true that we've made more mistakes than in the past. Unfortunately, we shouldn't have them, but that's another story. Oh. Why has that been the Ferrari line? It sounds like a quote from last year and this year. <laughs> why does why is this a Ferrari line for the past 20 years? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that is so brutal. Okay, so finishing the story, about a year later, Renault didn't renew PK Jr.'s contract, and then he went public and said that Renault had ordered him to wreck on purpose in order to help Alonso. In a truly shocking moment, Renault declined to fight the FIA conspiracy allegations, so the FIA suspended (laughs) Renault Wild, suspended Renault from F1 for like two years, and then two senior Renault executives, the managing director and executive director of engineering, received bans as well. So then Massa wanted the Singapore GP result canceled, which would have made him the 2008 champion. But under the FIA rules at the time, nothing could be changed after the FIA award ceremony, which happened before the scandal became public. So why is this all coming up now, many, many years later? Well, former F1 boss and basically walking controversy, Bernie Eccleston, (laughs) recently said that the F1 leadership knew in 2008, while the season was still going on, that there had been something fishy along the lines with with the Renault crash. In full, we're going to give you guys a full quote here since it really speaks to it. Quote, we wanted to protect the sport and save it from a huge scandal. That's why I used angelic tongues <laughs> to persuade my former driver, Nelson Piquet, to keep calm for the time being. Back then, there was a rule that the classification, that the world championship classification after the FIA award ceremony at the end of the year was untouchable. So Hamilton got the trophy and everything was fine. We had enough information and time to investigate the matter. According to the statute, according to the statutes, we should have canceled the race in Singapore under these conditions. Literally insane. I don't know why he just chose to say this now, but Massa is, of course, very upset, said that he'll look into taking some legal action since the Singapore result should have been canceled. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but realistically, this is probably just headline generator. It's a fun reason to talk about a big moment in the sport that happened, but there's probably not much that he can do. And all his routes to appeal really expired a long time ago. The FIA has rules that kind of prevent this from happening. And according to Autosport, this was one of the reasons why Mercedes dropped its challenge over the Abu Dhabi GP in 2021. So tell me what you guys think. I love this scandal, as is now obvious. Just I think it's fascinating for all the things it says about F1. But ultimately, even though Renault caused the safety car, Ferrari was, in fact, the one that messed up this race. (laughs) Yeah, you can't undo the the, The the hose. (laughs) Right. So it was kind of a a whole chain of events here. But it is fascinating that it's coming up so, so many years later. It, I agree. I it honestly it just annoys me that it's coming up. There must be statutes of limitations on this thing and it, I don't know, maybe this is a hot take, but is it like driven by bitterness? I feel like oh, he and yeah. Massa, Alonso, sorry, Massa and Alonso have definitely had a very spicy relationship in the past. So I wonder if part of his motivation is like seeing Alonso on podium these days. But one thing that just annoys me is like having Hamilton's name wrapped up in this. Like obviously he was the beneficiary of this, but he wasn't involved in any way. So it's just like kind of frustrating. Um, I don't know. I agree. It's a lot of headlines. But if they couldn't change it after the FIA award ceremony in 2008, I'm not sure they can change it in 2023. (laughs) Amen. So we'll see. In other news... Um, The inaugural 2023 F1 Academy, the women's racing series run by Formula One and run by Susie Wolf, is kicking off preseason testing in Barcelona on April 11th with round one of seven happening in Spielberg, Austria from the 28th and 29th of April. We're happy that it's happening in Austria because we are going to the Austria GP this year. So represent. 
Um, the lineups for the five teams are officially locked in three drivers each, each round, um, or race weekend. We'll have three races with two 40 minute free practice sessions and two 15 minute long quality sessions. That's a lot of races. I know it's 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 a a pretty confusing setup for sure. Yeah, so Quali 1 will set the grid for Race 1, and Quali 2 sets the grid for Race 3, and these races will be 30 minutes long. Uh, What's confusing is the grid for Race 2. It's set by reversing the top eight drivers from Q1 with ninth and below lining up in their regular Q1 positions. This race will only be 20 minutes and offer fewer points than the other two. So it's very confusing. Imagine if they did that in F1. They're like, P1, you're starting in eighth. Yeah. (laughs) It would be kind of fun. Um, I would love it. Make Max start in eighth every single time. (laughs) It would be a moot point for him. He'd always make up the – he'd always make it up anyways. So funny. Um, But the F1 Academy, they have a super interesting mix of new and experienced talent. The youngest driver, Chloe Chong, she's only 16, but – the grid also includes several W Series veterans, including Abby Pulling. The oldest driver is 25, so it's definitely giving more of sort of an F2 feeder series vibe. Um, and one fun fact, there are two sisters racing together for the MP Motorsport team, um, Amna and Hamda Al-Kubaisi from the UAE, which is very cool. And the final round of the season is in Austin, and that's going to line up, as we said before, with the F1 events that weekend. So that'll be really great to see all these ladies racing in front of the amazing crowds and just being in the mix of everything. So here for that. Meanwhile, back in F1, Max is still upset about this new sprint race format (laughs) and made some very interesting comments. So as we mentioned in our last episode, F1 starting in Baku is going to be trying out a new format where the sprint on Saturday is going to kind of be its own standalone event event where there'll be a sprint quality and a sprint as its own little mini race day. And then quality will be on Friday to set the grid for Sunday. So Max agreed that it's better for excitement and the fans, but him along with a lot of other drivers have never really been fans of sprint races. And he said, Quote that he hopes there won't be too many changes. Otherwise, I won't do it. I won't be here for long. <laughs> Just such a lie. Yeah. So it's so <laughs> melodramatic. <laughs> it's yeah. His contract is through twenty twenty eight and is fifty million euros a year with Red Bull. So really, don't <laughs> think he's going anywhere soon. Just because he's not gonna have fun at the Baku Sprint Race. But it's it's a super weird comment but he did also kind of make a broader point about how punishing the schedule is for the drivers and the teams which i think is fair he yeah, said is. yeah he said the weekend becomes even more intense we're already doing so many races he thinks there's kind of just this crawl in f1 where it's going to head towards 24 to 25 full races and then if the sprints are also becoming a full other little race day on the weekends it is Truly an insane schedule, but I've always kind of been a fan of sprint races, so I'm excited to see what happens in Baku. Yeah, I think his comments are super fair, and honestly, even if he doesn't mean the, like, oh, I'm not going to be here for long, maybe that's what it takes is, like, the number one driver to speak out and say that for anything to change. True, because it's one thing for drivers, but even thinking about the team members who, yeah, yeah, that might be a much more realistic sentiment if they're just spending so much time away from their families and just make it so difficult to make that work. Yeah, that's super fair. 
Um, in other Red Bull news, but this time around Checo, there's been some rumors flying around after his less than ideal weekend at the Aussie GP where, remember, he locked up and then beached his car during quali. And he had said that it was the car. He called the team out on the radio saying the issue was unacceptable, that they didn't fix the issue with the brakes, even though they had seen it prior to quality in practice, and that they really did him dirty there to, to TLDR it. But apparently, the team engineers really said that there was nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with the car. Helmet Marco blamed it on Checo's insecurities and claimed that Checo was just, quote, unsettled heading into quality and just made a mistake. There's probably a lot more going on under the hood, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, Helmet Marco, maybe he's feeling unsettled going into qualifying because you make comments like this. (laughs) Exactly. um, And we don't really know everything that's going on, but I think it's safe to say that Checo is definitely feeling the pressure against his teammate right now and could be more prone to these sort of like competitive type mistakes. And along these lines, and I do not condone this, don't shoot the messenger, but apparently Franz Toast of Alpatari said that Yuki could be ready to make the step to Red Bull in two years for the 2025 season, which is definitely unsettling given the fact that Checo's contract is up after 2024. But I don't think this is going to happen. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love Yuki and all, but what indication has he given that he's ready to take Checo's seat? He has one point this season and like, (laughs) I'm sorry. I... I don't. I don't. I can't even like entertain <laughs> Just that. One point. <laughs> like it gave me entertainment. And thinking about the reason why Checo has succeeded in Red Bull is because it's such a hard seat to have, and the reason why they picked him was because these talented young drivers like Albon and Gasly couldn't survive the promotion from AlphaTauri, and I cannot see <laughs> Yuki being able to do what Albon. And Gasly couldn't. Part of it is like honestly just mental too. Like forget about the the driving skills needed, but like just being able to keep a calm and level head is so necessary for anyone in a number two seat to someone like Max or Lewis or whoever. Like that is not Yuki's strong suit. And I don't think that's a controversial <laughs> statement. <laughs> I love you, Yuki. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, A Forbes article out this week put Toto on the 2023 World Billionaires list along the ranks of Tiger Woods and LeBron James. And as a reminder, he's not only the team principal of Mercedes, he has owned one third of the team since 2013. So, you know, the more F1 value goes up, the richer Toto gets this Article credits DTS as a large factor that boosted his net worth and got him to that one billion mark. Honestly, the fact that Toto has the same net worth as LeBron is, like, sending me. (laughs) Sneaky. Very sneaky, right? Like, what? The graphic was just so funny because it was the list of new sports billionaires. And most of them, as you'd expect, are athletes. And then it's just Toto. LeBron is the highest scoring NBA player of all time. Guys, Toto is an athlete. I think he's probably the only principal that hits the gym with the drivers. (laughs) Oi. Well, good for him. I mean, not that I condone billionaires, but good for him. (laughs) Also in news this week, apparently Charles's personal address got leaked on the internet. There was New York Times coverage of it. It was actually on Lower Down, but it was on the front page of the New York Times homepage in the U.S. Basically, Charles had to plead with his fans in three languages on Instagram to stop gathering at his apartment and to respect his privacy And this comes just days after the Italian authorities arrested four people in connection to his watch robbery last year. And there was reporting that the watch robbery occurred while he was taking a selfie with someone. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's just so important for people to respect the privacy and personal space of the drivers. It's so not okay that people are doing that. And it's so great that F1 now has more visibility in the world, but it's horrible if it's coming at 
the cost of the privacy and personal lives of people in the sport. Yeah, this level of like stan culture, I so do not vibe with. I I love that people are so passionate about things, but there just needs to be boundaries. And it's just happening with so many celebrities across music, film, sports, like you name it. But it's like, it's just going to get to a point where it's like, this is why we can't have nice things. This is why celebrities <laughs> can't come out in public. Like, <laughs> so true. Well, a well-timed Taylor Swift reference for, exactly. for this week. <laughs> oh, Taylor. <laughs> Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. So we're going to do our special topic now, giving you guys our relative ranking. So kind of our opinions on where we think drivers and teams are stacking up relative to each other and relative to the whole package and all they had going on this year. So first up, which drivers do we think are outperforming their current car and current team situation? I think for me, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I say both Mercedes drivers are really stepping up to the plate at the moment. If you think about their disastrous season opener at Bahrain this year to what they've been able to accomplish in the following just two races, they're both top five at Saudi and they had a pretty good weekend in Australia despite Russell's DNF. They had the P2, P3 quality and then Hamilton held off Alonso for 
P2 podium to finish. I think they're doing really well given where they're at. And I think as the team gets their stuff together and works on the car throughout the season, the drivers are really going to find more and more space to shine. And I think they can only improve from here. Yeah, I hope so. I definitely would agree that they're stepping up to the plate. I worry a little bit with like drastic changes in direction on a car. If that's to happen, like it takes a while for drivers to adjust to that sort of thing. So anyway, but I really hope that it continues. Um, I think I would say Nico Hulkenberg in the Haas. He has been kind of crushing it even compared to K-Mag, like six points this season compared to K-Mag's one. He unfortunately is getting closer and closer to holding the record for most races without a win, but (laughs) I'm still impressed with his performance this season so far. Um, It's a pretty good return. Oh no, is he going to get that record too? Because he already has the record for most starts without a podium. Yeah, he's approaching that. I think he's like number third, number three right now on that list. For but. wins. Oh no, we need to get <laughs> a campaign to get him a podium. I know. So I have to pick Alonzo for this one. I think, of hmm. course, the car is arguably the second fastest on the grid, but I think generally in terms of outperforming what he's working with, it's pretty hard to jump from only getting one podium in the past decade to suddenly being on the podium three times in a row as the oldest driver on the grid. And he just switched teams this season. So even if the Aston Martin's a super fast car, you still, as we've seen so many times, it's still kind of an adjustment period for drivers to get used to the new team's car and style and work culture and everything. And he's just come out guns blazing. He's 20 years older than Piastri. That's wild. A full (laughs) lifetime, basically. Just for context there. And kind of also shout out to the McLaren drivers for getting points in that car in Australia. Again, with eight DNFs, it's not not necessarily showing the pace of the car, but I think staying out of chaos, staying positive when they're dealing with just a really rough situation at McLaren right now. Who do we think is underperforming their car or current situation? I got to give it to Botas. I think oh, no. it's not I know, it's not like they have the best car to his credit, but he's a super talented driver that only has 4 points. He's getting knocked out in early rounds of quali like Maybe I am being a little too harsh on him since he's definitely not on a rocket ship, but like I'm sad to see it. And I just don't think, I don't know. I I have been disappointed in his performance, honestly, over the past year, last season. I kind too. of agree with you. I, yeah. I think that's, that's a fair point. For me, I'd say Haas drivers, but honestly, mostly just K-Mag. They're both very experienced, but I think the cars aside, like the team isn't afraid to aim high, dream big, like the vibes are perfect. But these two drivers have been pretty inconsistent this season. They were both out of the points in Bahrain, barely in P10 for K-Mag. And then K-Mag had his his mistake, scrape on the wall in Melbourne. So I wish I could see a little bit more out of them. I know they're not working with the best situation, but those are are the drivers for me. And then just going to throw Gasly in here. He's been pretty underwhelming at the moment. Yeah, both of the Alpines are surprising me. Like it's, I know Aston Martin has kind of jumped the rankings so that puts them down a notch but I don't know they're definitely not like at the back of the pack but I do feel like I would have expected more from them so far this season mm-hmm. I do think at least it's kind of vindicating Pierre that he left off towery because wow yeah yikes didn't get into that one I think I sadly have to say Charles mm-hmm. based That's on fair. Australia because Granted, I think the car, of course, has a lot of issues. It's not a Red Bull. It's not even an Aston Martin at this point. But 
Mr. Saturday from last year qualified P7 in Australia behind Carlos and both Aston Martins. And his DNF in Australia also was arguably from him pushing it a bit too hard on lap one, being a little too risky with Mr. Stroll. So I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a bit underwhelmed. And I was also expecting a ton from Nick DeVries coming in as such a relatively experienced rookie as a Formula E champion, kind of older, more mature, but Yuki is beating him pretty handily so far. And I think if we listen back to some of our off-season episodes, I'm probably saying in all of them that Nick DeVries is going to beat Yuki handily. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think we all thought that. Yeah. So if we wanted to do like a collective ranking, best to worst, we can debate this if you guys want, but like if everyone had the same car, who do you think is coming out on top and who's finishing last? I'd say... For me, my top three, Verstappen is just good no matter what. Like I think in any car, he'd be great. I think Alonso and Lewis are also stars. And I think for me, my bottom drivers are the rookies. Maybe it's unfair, but they do need a little bit more time to to impress me, I'd say. Oof. I think this is a hard one. I would say Lewis, Max, and probably Charles, if they were all in the same car, would be close to the top of the pack or at the top of the pack. Um our allegiances are probably showing here a bit, but I would definitely put my money on Lewis if he had the Red Bull. And then in terms of the bottom, ugh, I think this is hard. Like, if everyone and we're in the same car, we're basically just saying, like, who's the worst driver? <laughs> I, w- I guess I'd put my money on the, r- the rookies as well. Yeah, it's interesting watching the rookies. It goes to show even no matter the level of pedigree you have, like Piastri has the F3 and F2 championship in the rookie season pedigree that I think only Russell and Leclerc have. And it just goes to show that you can't just step into F1 and have a phenom rookie season. Like they're all just even struggling to make it out of Q3 um, and struggling to keep up with their teammates, everything. Piastri though is, is bringing the fight to Norris a bit. For me, definitely Max, of course, no one's surprised. I think also Alonso again, is really impressed with the fact that after so many years out of being at the top, he can just slip back into that position so easily and I personally think Russell has been driving amazingly I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see what he can do once they have a car that can get pole position because I think as we saw last year he can just consistently outperform what he's giving that was the whole reason why he was able to shine at Williams so I'm I'm excited for that once they have a car I think it's going to be really game on over at Mercedes I'm excited So now we talked about drivers. Let's get into the teams who are outperforming, underperforming, and our collective rankings before we get into the AMA. All right, guys. So that was it for today's episode. If you want to hear the rest of our thoughts on the teams and answers, hear our answers to some of the AMAs, go ahead and check us out on Patreon. The link to join is in the episode description. (laughs) 